Welcome to today's episode of Mayor Talking. I'm Nicole Burdett. Cyber breaches over the past year have shown us that federal agencies are more vulnerable than anyone thought, and that traditional security tools are not effectively defending against the threats. This begs the question, what can IT leaders and staff at all levels do to better protect federal networks? The short answer is that it's time to rethink our approaches. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Tanium, for underwriting our Human Side of Cyber series and today's program, where we get to chat with Jeff Eisensmith, former Chief Information Security Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. We'll talk about cyber tool sprawl, how that tool sprawl impacts cyber teams and their effectiveness, and the steps that federal cyber leaders can take to try to shrink the attack service and reduce risk. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Can you share a little bit about yourself and your background with our audience as we kick off? Thank you, Nicole. Let me just start off by um, saying that I began my career in the FBI doing mostly offensive operations. However, let me just say right up front that they were all lawfully authorized, just to get that out of the way. That was for about 17 years. Then I transferred to the private sector, worked there five years, and I first started doing defense. And I quickly realized that defense is a lot harder than offense. Beyond that, I moved into DHS working at ICE, became their CISO, and then later for the last five years of my career as the CISO of DHS. It's been quite a ride. We appreciate your perspectives. I think you've got obviously so much to share with the community. Let's dive in and talk a little bit about this concept of tool sprawl. As we know, there are literally countless cybersecurity tools out in the market. Some recent research from Tanium found that more than half of federal cybersecurity managers say their agency is using 11 or more cyber tools, but just one in three say that the utilization rate of those tools is above 50%. Why is this the case? And how does tool sprawl affect an agency's enterprise network and security? Let me just start off by saying that the way I think about tool sprawl is the way I think about IT. There's a law of nature called entropy. It's the force of nature that says everything moves from organization to chaos. And left to grow organically, IT doesn't do very well. It moves to chaos extraordinarily quickly. And the drivers for that are, it's hard to get cooperation from the program owners, from operations and security. They all have their own goals. They've all been operating independently for a long time. And almost every organization, all the sub-organizations see themselves as unique snowflakes. And that kind of drives everyone to do their own solutions. So I'm not surprised that we see such a cornucopia of security tools embedded in these organizations. And you're calling it tool sprawl, and that's fine. The biggest ramifications of that tool sprawl is the high dependency of all those tools on the operational stack affecting the workstation. So here's this workstation trying to get the mission done, and it has so many different security functions that it must do, as well as all the operational functions and the program applications running. That high dependency type of environment leads to an operational and security nightmare where when you have to do a patch or an upgrade, you've got to weed your way through testing the change through all that protocol stack, through all the application stack. And what makes things worse in government particularly is the idea of what I call glueware. 
So Glueware is you have a database application doing something that you buy off the shelf. But because of the way the government works and the way that Congress mandates specific requirements upon the government, we add a lot of additional software functionality and limitations onto commercial software. That's what I call Glueware. When you have to do patches for things like zero days, which hit you fast and unexpectedly, the lift of trying to test in that environment with tool sprawl is extraordinarily hard. And the result is you have to retire hardware sooner than you have to or should. The time to market for getting new applications and patching done continues to move to the right. And it's a paradigm which I think everybody has to get in front of. As we know, as more and more federal employees are working remotely, there can be more rogue software tools out there in use, which might get installed on a workstation without IT's knowledge until, you know, until a hacker finds and, and breaches a network. What's your advice for federal IT leaders who are working to kind of tame what we call the tool sprawl here? And I would guess that's both a technical and a, and a cultural question. So every organization has to find their own sweet spot for being nimble, being able to get the mission accomplished in a meaningful timeframe. There's also the convenience of being able to let your users load drivers, do things like put plugins because there's a brand new video app that's coming out and they need to update some of the DLLs that are running in these browsers. The problem is, from my experience, that when a nation state campaign came at the federal government, I could pretty much always assure that patient zero was going to be whoever had the ability to download drivers and software onto their computer. He or she had great convenience to be able to load that software, be up and running and get their job done. The problem would be after the compromise was done, the day-to-day convenience was far outweighed by congressional reporting and the emergency triage responsible for operations and security going through and rebuilding servers and workstations and all of that. I'm not a big proponent of allowing users to be able to download software, even things like plugins, not allowing people to do that without some other solution. It's not really tenable either. So the enterprises have to find some sustainable way forward. And a lot of that's going to be using the new, well, not so new now, sandboxing technologies. There are a number of products out there that can support that without having the users have the ability to download software and things like plugins and such. I think that kind of leads into our next question. And you've touched on this a little bit, but how does rationalizing the tools that are in use or or the tool sprawl impact IT and cyber teams? Perhaps the best way, the simplest way to answer that question is to deconstruct the problem and specifically just look at the workstations in particular. Every workstation operating on the enterprise has to deal with workstation hardening and status reporting. That includes things like what's on the network. So what kind of hardware do you have and how is it configured? What kind of software is running? What are the versions and are those versions hardened? The authentication and access processes, the audit requirements. If you have compromised detection running on those workstations, sandboxing, firewall management, and data protection. These are all 
tools and functionalities that are sitting on top of the workstation. And on top of that, you've got glueware. I spoke to it earlier that that is a tax that's levied performance-wise on every single workstation. If we don't do rationalization of those tools from an operation standpoint, it makes it extraordinarily difficult to update and patch. And that is something that keeps continuing to be a significant problem. We really haven't seen a downtick in zero days popping up. They come up on a fairly regular basis. And the ramifications of that is everybody has to work as hard as they possibly can to test and deploy patches to mitigate those risks. It's just not helpful to the mission to allow all this functionality to be purchased and deployed with multiple tools doing the same things in different parts of the organization. It makes it really untenable. That makes sense. I mean, you're, you're really talking about finding balance between the mission, between the security requirements, looking at that, making sure that that balance is appropriate for the mission and for the security level required. Any additional advice that you would give to IT leaders who are working to address these issues, both from a technical and also from a cultural perspective? I think you brought up some really great points earlier about how some of these different teams have traditionally operated very independently, which was a great point. Any advice as leaders are working to integrate those teams more effectively? I'm going to start off with the Captain Obvious statement. They need to operate as an enterprise. And to do that, perhaps the most salient thing I would advise would be neck down the number of workstation profiles that an organization has. I'd be willing to bet right now that for an unsophisticated organization, they probably have a, have a blizzard of snowflakes where each and every workstation is unique. It's very difficult to manage that. It's certainly extraordinarily difficult to do that on an enterprise scale. You need to work hard to neck that down to a handful or the smallest possible number of enterprise configurations that still meets the mission. The enterprise security tools are a huge part of the security performance tax on those workstations. Organizations should create a working group that involves the program offices that are delivering the applications that get the mission done, the operation staff that are maintaining the networks, the security staff, and the architecture staff to plan for enterprise solutions. What that's going to do is hopefully it'll be able to say from a standpoint of what's maintainable, what's best value, what actually gets the job done. These are the set of operational and security tools that every box is going to have on top of them. If we do have special considerations like a group of users that have to operate in a hostile environment, make them their own group, spend the extra resources to get them the protections that they need. But that should not be how the rest of the organization is normally operating. Once you come up with this plan, you should definitely consider selling it to the technology modernization fund. You'll be able to say quite succinctly, here's where we are. We don't want to be here with sprawl. Two, here's where we want to be, where we have a known stack across the environment, where we have all of our users are all trained to work on those tools. One of the big benefits of that is, if I know from my time at DHS that if one of my components is under attack and underwater, 
I can pull staff from other organizations and move them to support the component that's in trouble. They know the tool. They don't have to be spun up. Reinforcements are there. My advice would be come up with a plan that's an enterprise plan that next down both the number of workstation profiles you have, the tool stack you're going to use, the migration to get there, and then present that to the technology modernization fund. And consider leveraging continuous diagnosis and mitigation, which is a DHS program where things like enterprise solutions have been vetted, thought out, and the procurement process is a whole lot easier. Jeff, thank you again. Great advice. We appreciate your perspectives and I hope we can have you back again soon. It has been a pleasure, Nicole. Thank you. To everyone listening, thank you. And please take a moment to subscribe to Mara Talking and stay tuned for future episodes from the Human Side of Cyber series with Tanium.